Well, good morning. Welcome again to the Christian Church of Carl Junction and our brand new 11 o'clock service. I'm excited about what God's doing here in this town as we're seeing him increase his kingdom, increase the church and his family, and we are making more room for more people. As you look around, you see, as Keenan mentioned, there's some space in the room. And that space in the room is your job to fill back up. You need to fill it back up. So look around your row and consider your row, your personal challenge, to fill back up. The kingdom of God always grows through leaders who commit to intentional relationships. That's it. That's the message. No, not really. It is, but I'm going to talk longer. The other services, I had a time limit. You guys, I can talk till dark. So... The kingdom of God grows through leaders who commit to intentional relationships. That's why here at the church at Carl Junction, we say we want to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. It's because we believe the kingdom of God grows through leaders who commit to intentional relationships. Let me break that sentence down for you and let you see how it applies to you, everyone in this room. The kingdom of God, when I talk about the kingdom of God, I am not talking about this church right here in Carl Junction. I am talking about the church, the kingdom around the world from the beginning of history all the way to eternity. That's the kingdom of God and it always has and it always will grow through leaders who commit to intentional relationships. That's what I'm talking about, the kingdom of God. When I say leaders in that sentence, I don't want you to hear me say our ministers, our staff, our elders, our deacons. That's not what I'm talking about. In this sentence in the context right here leaders means you if you have surrendered yourself to Jesus then you have surrendered to doing everything he would have you to do and really there's only one job which is to lead others to him make disciples you have surrendered to that you have agreed to that you've committed to that you are the leader I'm talking about for the context of today's message you're the leader and we commit ourselves to intentional relationships because the kingdom of God has always grown through relationship. Always. It's always grown from, from family member to family member, from neighbor to neighbor, from friend to friend, from coworker to coworker, peer to peer. It's always grown through relationship, and it's always an intentional one. Nobody follows Jesus on accident. No one decides to give their life to Jesus on accident. We come, thrive, and go with Jesus because somebody intentionally reached out to you. That's it. That's why you're here. The kingdom of God grows through leaders who commit to intentional relationships every time, forever. That's what we're all about here. I want to read a passage with you from the book of 1 Thessalonians. Turn there if you would. In those blue Bibles, it is page number 807. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to take one home with you. I want to give you a Bible. So page 807, read it now, take it home with you later. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, it won't be on the screen, so you've got to read it in the book. As we read this, you need to know it's written by a man named Paul. And Paul is writing, really, to illustrate the sentence on the screen, the kingdom of God grows through leaders who commit to intentional relationships. That's what Paul is illustrating out of his experience right here. He's writing to people that live in a place called Thessalonica. That's why they're the Thessalonians. And they are believers. 
So he's writing to them, and it applies to you in the same way. This is what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1, starting in verse 4. Follow along here. It says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. He's writing to them, calls them brothers and sisters, because in the kingdom of God, we are family, adopted by God, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. That's who we are. That's what happens to us. He writes, he says, they're chosen. Just like you're chosen, we are all chosen, every one of us, because God wants everybody to come to know him, not to die. He's chosen you like he chose them. And then he says this. He says, you know, how we lived among you for your sake. You know how we lived among you for your sake. Paul had lived with the Thessalonians. Paul had spoken with them, become friends with them, eaten with them. They knew him. But Paul did not go live there because it was convenient. He moved across the known world to live there. He didn't go there because it was convenient. He didn't go there because uh, he had a job that took him there. He didn't go there because it would be fun or relaxing or entertaining. He didn't go there for any of those reasons. Paul went there with one specific purpose. The Thessalonians. He went there for their sake. Hold that in mind. We moved there for your sake, he says. Then he says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the other believers. He says, you imitated us. That's really how we follow Jesus, right? We imitate somebody who's following Jesus. We can't see Jesus with our eyes, and so we see Jesus in and through other people. We imitate them to imitate Jesus. He says, people of Thessalonica became followers of Jesus because they saw how we lived among you. Go down. He says, they tell, uh, verse 9, they themselves report to people around them of the reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. That's Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. There's three generations in this. There's three different groups of people in this passage. There is we. We lived among you. We moved here, not for convenience sake, but out of intentionality, we moved here. I want you to think for a second, how willing are you to move somewhere? Because God calls you. We're a mobile culture. We're a mobile nation. Several of you grew up somewhere else, and you've moved here for a job. Or you moved away, and you came back. We move for jobs all the time. My wife and I have been married uh, just almost 18 years. We've lived in three different states for jobs. We move, we're a mobile culture. Some of us move for our kids, for our grandkids. We move for vacation, we move for retirement, we move for one reason or another. We move all the time. I'm asking you though, how many of you are willing to move intentionally into a space for the sake of the people that live there? That's what Paul did. That's what followers of Jesus have always done. They walk into their workplace Not turn a paycheck, but for an intentional purpose of cultivating a relationship where they can sow the seed of the gospel. They go to a school not just to learn, but to sow the seed of the gospel 
in the intentional relationships so people can come to know Jesus. How willing are you to view every relationship you have, every place you go, every job you have, every school you go to, to view it as the intentional relationship to share Jesus? That's what Paul did. There's we. Second, it says you became imitators of us and the Lord. The Thessalonians, they were following pagan idols. They were, they were a wicked culture, and they came to know Jesus because we moved in, Paul said. They came to imitate Jesus. And when they began to imitate Jesus, they began to love like Jesus. They began to forgive like Jesus. They began to have patience like Jesus. They began to forgive like Jesus. All these things they began to do like Jesus. The more they did so, the more the message radiated outward from them. And Paul says, there's they, the other nations around you says they don't even got to tell us about you because they know how you turn to God from idols. We moved in. The Thessalonians followed Jesus and the other nations now tell the story. That's how the kingdom of God grows. The kingdom of God grows through leaders who commit to intentional relationships to share the gospel. That's how it's always grown. This morning, I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God and how it spreads and how you play a part in it. I want to talk about where you fall in the we, you, and they. We're going to do it in 1 Samuel chapter 15. If you want to turn there, you can go ahead and do so. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to jump right in talking about the kingdom of God here. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for loving us and calling us your own, for making us your sons and daughters, for reminding us of how great you are. But even in your greatness, you love us in our brokenness, and you call us back to you. Father, I don't know how we all came in this room today. Some of us came in hurting. Some of us came in confused. Some of us came in full of joy. We all come in differently to this room. But however we came in, Father, I pray you'd speak to us this morning, that we would hear your voice, through your spirit, through your word. And that we respond to you so that when we leave here, we came in different, but we leave here the same. As leaders, disciples, who've committed to you to enter intentional relationships to spread your kingdom. Father, I pray we leave the same. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, that's page 193 in that blue Bible. Before we start reading, I need some context to you. Give you some context here. There are some dominant themes in the Word of God. As you read the Word of God, if you've read it a lot or this is your first time into it, you'll notice some themes throughout it. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation, you'll notice themes. One theme is this, that God creates his world to be perfect, but sin broke it. God creates perfection, sin breaks it. God wants to give us the best in life, Satan, the enemy, wants to break it. That's a theme throughout the Word of God. Another theme throughout the Word of God is that God provides for his creation. He provides for his sons and daughters. He provides for his people. Whether they realize they need it or not, God provides because God is a provider. That's what God does. That's who he is. Another theme, another theme is that God forgives his people. When we sin, when we, we revel in our brokenness and our sin, and we mess things up time after time after time, God forgives us time after time after time. 
That's one of the provisions he gives us. Another theme is this, that God created perfection, but sin broke it, and so God sends his son. We can see God sending his son from Genesis to Revelation, specifically in a verse in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. It's one's a famous verse that we know that says, God so loved the world, you and me, that he sent his son, that whoever believes in him won't die, because God doesn't want everybody to die, he wants us all to live, and so he sends his son as a theme throughout the word of God. Another theme throughout the word of God is that he has a kingdom, and his kingdom is here and it is coming. He has a kingdom. In the Old Testament, we read about how Abraham was the father of the kingdom, the father of the nation, the father of the people of God. We read about how Moses came into Egypt and he rescued the kingdom out of slavery. He led them to the promised land for the kingdom. We read in the book called Judges about some people, men and women that were known as judges, that rescued and led and saved the kingdom People like Gideon and Othniel and Ehud and Deborah and Samson and Jephthah, they led the kingdom of God as judges. We read about the literal kingdom. The first king the people had named Saul. The second king named David. The third king named Solomon. We read how the kingdom eventually split into two, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. We read in the Psalms how, in Psalm 103, it says the Lord has established his throne in the heavens to rule over his kingdom. In the Gospels, Jesus, the Son of God, comes, and he comes to bring a kingdom with him. In Mark 1, verse 15, he says that the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. In Matthew 6, Jesus prays. He's showing us how to pray. He says, pray like this. Say, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. And then pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Kingdom is a theme throughout the Bible. Later, as the, the church grows in the book of Acts, the kingdom is spreading. It's spreading out. Paul is writing letters to churches he has started and places they've launched, people they've baptized that have become the kingdom. And says, we came to live among you for your sake so that you could join the kingdom and the kingdom can grow. And then you became an imitator, part of the kingdom. And when you became a part of the kingdom, began to imitate the nations around you, tell the story of how you turned from your godless ways and you began to live as the living and true God lives. The kingdom. In Revelation, we read that Jesus is going to return to take his church, his people home. He's going to establish a throne, a kingdom, a new heaven, a new earth, a kingdom. Genesis to Revelation, kingdom, is a theme. All the way through it. And we know the kingdom of God always grows through leaders who commit to intentional relationships. We also know that there are two kinds of leaders. There's two kinds of leaders in the world, and there's two kinds of leaders in this room. There are leaders who are growing God's kingdom. They are growing God's kingdom. Everything they do points to God's kingdom and grows it. And there are leaders that are growing their own kingdom. Some of us fall in both these categories. At times, I have fallen in both these categories. Growing God's kingdom with God's will and God's ways and God's words and God's works. Then there's the other side where we do things out of our convenience, out of what brings us happiness, out of what brings us personal gain. We build it to build our own kingdom. There's two kinds of leaders. 
And I'm going to tell you, the kingdom of God grows through this kind of leader that are growing God's kingdom who commit to intentional relationships. To illustrate the two kinds of leaders, we're going to read through some things in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 15, page 193. 1 Samuel 15, verse 1. We're going to see a man named Samuel, a prophet, a man of God. He's going to go to anoint to, to talk to the king, Saul, the first king. Verse 1. Samuel says to Saul, the king, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. I'm the one the Lord sent to anoint you the king over Israel. So listen to the message I've got. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit through here, but just kind of follow along. This is the message. God says, I'll punish the Amalekites. I'm going to punish them for what they did to you way back in the book of Exodus. This is going to come back to bite the Amalekites. I'm going to punish them through you. You're going to go. He says, do not spare them. Destroy everything. Put the people to death, the livestock to death. Destroy the stuff. Destroy everything. And so in verse 4, Saul summons the men. There's about 200,000 of them, 10,000 from Judah. He summons the men together and gets ready to go to war. In verse 7, if you drop down, verse 7 says, Then Saul, the king and the army of God, he attacked the Amalekites. He attacked the Amalekites. All the way from Havilah Shur near the eastern border of Egypt. And then he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the best of the cattle, the best of the calves, the best of the lambs, everything that was good. If you're following along here, then you realize that Samuel comes to Saul and says, okay, king, leader of the kingdom of God, this is what God wants you to do. You're going to obey God and do this. Go destroy everything to do with the Malachites. All the people, all the stuff, all the livestock, everything. And Saul says, okay, 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 okay. And then he goes and does his own thing. That's what happens here. I mean, you all have kids. If you have kids, you know how this works. You talk to your kids, you're like, do this. Do it like this. I want you to do it this way. Do it in this time. Do it in this room. Do this thing. Your child says, okay, 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 okay. And they do whatever they want. If you have kids, you know. Whatever they want. Saul does the same thing. God says, this is the message. Destroy them all. Saul says, okay. And then they go, they spare the king, and they keep everything that is good. Everything that they want. Everything they value. They destroy, it says they were unwilling to destroy completely the things of value, but everything they despised, everything that was weak, they destroyed that totally. Everything that wasn't good, that they thought there wasn't any value in, they they destroyed it, but they kept the good stuff. And then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. And God says to, to Saul through Samuel in verse 11, he says, I regret that I have made Saul the king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. I regret that he is the leader of my people because he's not leading to grow my kingdom. He's growing his own. Early in the morning, verse 12, Samuel gets up and he goes to meet Saul. Goes to meet him. But he was told Saul has gone to Carmel. And there he has set up a monument in his own honor. See, Saul was all about Saul's kingdom. I can tell you a lot of things about Saul. We don't got a lot of time, but I'll give you a little snapshot. Saul, in a picture, he was arrogant. 
He was arrogant. He was chosen king. He says he was tall. He was broad-shouldered. He was handsome. He was smart. He was strong. He looked like everything a king would look like. And he was chosen to be the king. And Saul was arrogant. Saul was full of pride. Saul was, was pretty insecure, too. He constantly was afraid somebody was going to steal his power. Saul was jealous of anybody that got popular. Saul, Saul here, he was self-centered. Everything he did was to help himself. He kept whatever he found value in. He destroyed whatever he thought was bad. In a word, Saul was building a kingdom. He was growing a kingdom, but he was growing his own kingdom. The kingdom of Saul. If you go to verse 17, Samuel comes back to him. He comes back to him. He says, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king, and he sent you on a mission saying, go, completely destroy those wicked people. Wage war against them until you've wiped them out. And then he says, why, Saul, why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder? And why did you do evil in the eyes of the Lord? And Saul looks him back, dead square in the eye, and he says, but I did obey the Lord. But I I did. He, he says, I did. I went on the mission. I destroyed the Amalekites. Well, I did keep Agag the king, but I destroyed everybody else. And, well, the, the soldiers took some of the good plunder, but you hear, we did it to devote it to God. We were going to sacrifice it. It was really, I mean, that was the plan all along. So I, I did obey the Lord. And I read about Saul right here, and I wonder, and I ask myself, am I, maybe, are you, maybe, are we a little more like Saul than we want to admit? See, Saul hears the word of the Lord, he hears it all, and then he has to choose to obey, and he says, okay, I hear everything God said, go fight, go destroy, go put it all to the sword, go burn it all, go do that, okay, okay, I'm going to take God's command, and I'm going to edit it just a little bit. You see, God's a little bit out of touch with the reality of what I'm dealing with, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep Agag, because if I keep Agag the king, then I can humiliate him just a little bit, and if I humiliate him a little bit, then I look more powerful. That'll help me as the king, and God wants me to be a powerful king, right? So I'm going to do that, and I'm going to keep some of the good plunder. God said destroy it all, but really, it'll be okay if I keep a little bit, and I'll sacrifice some of that too, I'm going to obey God. I'm just going to edit the command. I'm going to do it my way and not God's way. We do the same thing. God tells us. Love your neighbor. And I do, except for that neighbor, because he's a jerk. And God says to love your enemy. And I do, except for when I'm, you know, talking bad about him. And God says to forgive those who have hurt you. And I do, except for the ones that have, you know, really hurt me. And God says to be compassionate on those who need help, who need somebody to love and embrace them. And I am compassionate, unless they're kind of dirty. And God says to be generous, and I am. I'm really, 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 really generous, except for when I, you know, I'm saving up for a toy. And God says, go to work. And be the light of the kingdom of God in your workplace. And I am, except for when I have to get mean with someone. And God says, you know, I'm going to give you just one job, really. And your job is going to be go share the gospel with everybody you know. Make disciples of every, all the nations, everybody. And I, I do, except it's kind of weird sometimes. 
So at work, I don't want to be the weirdo, so I don't there, but I do everywhere. I mean, I, well, I don't want to go shopping either because I'm looking for deals and I'm looking at coupons, but I don't, and, well, I don't, I don't necessarily want a sports game because when my kid's playing a sports game, I want my kid to win, and so I'm yelling at him, and I'm talking trash to the referees, but other than those times, God, I do. See, we edit God's command. We do it all the time. The only way to obey God is to obey God's way, which is to obey him fully. But we edit. Because like Saul, sometimes we're building our own kingdom and going where it's convenient and easy and fun, doing the easy thing, the self-serving thing. Like Saul, we build our own kingdom. But when we build our own kingdom, we find that eventually, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, I know some people that have built their own kingdom, and their own kingdoms look pretty lavish and awesome. They're pretty lit, and they're pretty awesome. But those kingdoms always crumble in the end. Always. There's another kind of leader. If we look here, actually, back in chapter 13, Back in chapter 13, we see that Saul, before we even got to chapter 15, Saul had already disobeyed God at least one time. Because back in chapter 13, Saul had, he'd done some stuff. He'd um, made a sacrifice he shouldn't have made. It wasn't his place to do it. But he got impatient, and people were starting to leave, and he wanted their, to be popular, so he did it himself. And Samuel comes and says, okay, because you've done this, your kingdom will not endure. Verse 14, chapter 13. Your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. After his own heart. And appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. You are building your own kingdom, Saul. And so God has chosen somebody else who is after his own heart. That's an important phrase. After his own heart. In chapter 16, if we go forward just a little bit, we see the same guy, Samuel. He goes to a house of a guy named Jesse to anoint the second king, who we know is going to be named David. But when he gets there, Jesse has his other sons come out, and Samuel looks at the oldest son, who is tall, broad-shouldered, strong, handsome, smart, strong, everything a king ought to look like, and he thinks, surely this is going to be the one. But in second, or 1 Samuel 16, 7, God says to Samuel, he says, he says, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. I have rejected him. Just like I've rejected Saul. I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. I can tell you a lot of things about David. But to sum it all up, David was not perfect. He was flawed. He sinned. We talked a few Sundays ago about a time he was at home. He sent his army off to war. He stayed home. Walked around his roof at night. He looked out. He saw a woman taking a bath, and she was beautiful. And instead of doing the righteous thing, the, the godly thing, and walking on, he, he let his lust become inflamed. And he had her brought to him, and he committed adultery. He had an affair with her, even though she was married. And then, to make it worse, he conspired to murder her husband to cover it all up. See, David wasn't perfect. David got jealous. David was impatient. David got a little hot-tempered sometimes. David wasn't perfect. But see, what made David great wasn't David's heart. 
what made David a great leader. In fact, in the Word of God, we read that David was the, the greatest leader the kingdom of Israel ever had. What made him a great leader wasn't David's heart. It was the heart that he was after that made him great. It wasn't that David was the perfect ruler. It was that David was after the heart of the perfect king, the heart of God. That's what made David a great leader. If you want to be somebody worth following, you have to be a man, you have to be a woman after God's own heart. There are people, leaders that lead and build their own kingdom, and there are leaders that grow God's kingdom. If you want to be a kingdom grower, if you want to be a disciple who makes disciples, who then will make more disciples, then you have to be a man, you have to be a woman after God's own heart. Otherwise, you're building your own kingdom and it will crumble eventually, and God will reject it eventually. He will. Eventually, if you're building your own kingdom, you'll stand before him and he will reject it. If you want to be a leader worth following, you have to be a man or woman after God's own heart. That might seem really hard. You're like, but, but I'm not perfect and I got some junk in my life and I can be a jerk sometimes and sometimes I lie and sometimes I lie on purpose and sometimes I lie for fun. I get angry, and I really like to be angry sometimes, and I'm not perfect. To start to love and speak and have compassion and be loyal and forgive like God, that's really hard. And we could walk out of here today feeling really bummed out and be like, I could never do that. And we could leave here discouraged and say, I, I don't know, I, I, it sounds good, Adam, but I can't do that. But here's the, the good news. The good news is that you don't have to. Because when you surrender to the heart of God, then the heart of God transforms you. And when you surrender to the heart of God and you pursue God's heart, then the heart that you surrender to, it goes like this, forgiven. And more so, when you surrender to the heart of God and he forgives you, he also gives you his Holy Spirit to guide you, to lead you, to speak through you, to love through you, to lead you. And you gain his spirit, and so you begin to look more like him. You become transformed by the heart of God that you're pursuing. There's two kinds of leaders. Which are you? Which are you? If you've never followed Jesus, then you're building your own kingdom. If you're here today and you're saying, I just need hope somewhere, but I've never surrendered to Jesus, then you're building your own kingdom. And today, I want to invite you to surrender to the king who sent his son to die on a cross for you in your place, to be buried, to resurrect, to defeat death, so you don't have to die forever, so you can live forever. I want to invite you to surrender to that king, to that heart, to pursue that heart, to be transformed by that heart. The way we do it here in Carl Junction is we baptize in water, we're lowered into water and we're forgiven of our past and we receive the Holy Spirit to guide us in our future. If you've never surrendered to Jesus, I invite you to that today. If, if, though, you already have, then I want to challenge you. 
I want to challenge you. Some of us, all of us, let's be honest, like things that are easy and convenient and fun. And I want to challenge you that when you surrendered to Jesus, you did not just surrender your Sunday mornings to Jesus. You surrendered your address, your home, your family, your workplace, your job, your retirement, your finances, your friends, your free time, your kids' sports, your hobbies, everything, your thoughts, your plans, your dreams, your goals, everything. You surrendered all of it. And I want to challenge you to stop holding on to things and say, I'm just going to keep this one back. And I want to challenge you to surrender that all so you can be a man, be a woman after the heart of God. So you can be a leader who commits to intentional relationships and grows the kingdom. That's the challenge. To view every place you go and everything you do as though the only reason you walked in the doors today is to speak about Jesus. And if you accomplish some work at your job, that's great too. But your job is to wake up and go to work to spread the name of Jesus. You say, I can't do that at work. You understand. I say, that's an excuse. You lose that job, God will provide another one. You have one job. One. You say, Adam, but I don't know how to do that. I don't really know how to talk about Jesus very well. I say, good, good. That's great, because next Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, you can join me in this building, and we're going to talk about how to spread the gospel, learn some tools, some things we can do. We're going to learn how to do it together from 8 to 4 a.m., our No Place Left Coaching Day. Come join me at that. If you've done it before, you're like, I forgot. Come back. We'll feed you lunch. Hang out and learn some stuff. So we leave here. This morning, sent from this room. We leave sent from the coaching day. We leave sent from next Sunday morning. Every time we leave sent, we walk out the door with one purpose and one purpose only. To be a leader who's committed to intentionally growing relationships so people can come thrive and go with Jesus. That sounds, that sounds pretty hardcore. I mean, I, it's, I, I like the messages better when we come to church and we're like, there is hope. But we cannot forget that we don't just come to Jesus for hope. We come to the kingdom to work, to go, to speak, to serve. If you've never followed Jesus, I invite you today to come join this kingdom. But understand, you're getting into something that's going to last the rest of your life. And you're surrendering everything. If you've already surrendered that, I want to challenge you just to let, let God destroy the kingdom you've been building and be a man or a woman after his own heart to grow his. That is what the Christian Church of Carl Junction is all about. That's what you are all about. I'm going to pray for us. After I pray, we're going to stand and sing one final song together. And as we're singing, if you say, I just need to talk about something because i got questions now. If you need to pray about stuff, if you need to surrender something, I invite you, when we start singing, to go to the lobby, the next steps table, I'll be out there with some other people and we would love to talk and to pray with you, answer some questions, maybe walk a hard road with you. But let's do it together. 
Let's pray, guys. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for everything you've said to us, everything that you have passed through all of history so that we could catch it this morning. I thank you, God, that you have called us your own. You've given us a new name. You've adopted us into your family. You have made us part of your kingdom. And then you have sent us with all the authority to expand your kingdom. We go as ambassadors, as emissaries of your kingdom to spread, to multiply. And Father, I thank you. You trust us that much. And I pray that you would lead us as we go, that we would be men and women after your heart so that we would listen for you and we would love like you and we would forgive like you and we would speak like you so that someday someone would look at our lives, we would look back at our life, and we could say, you know what? Y'all know how I moved here for your sake. And because of that, you have now come to follow Jesus. And now they all talk about it. I want that to be our story. And Father, I pray that when we are sent from here this morning, that we can write chapter one of that story. And that you would protect us. And you would guide us. And you would lead us after your heart. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.